0: And welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 136. I'm your host Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing Star Trek: Enterprise's third season episodes, Similitude, Carpenter Street, and Chosen Realm. Here we go.
1: Similitude, season three, episode ten, production number three ten, original air date November nineteenth, two thousand three. Directed by Lavar Burton. Written by Manny Cotto Music composed by Velton Ray Bunch. Guest cast include Maximilian Orion Kismodel as Sim Trip at four, Adam Taylor Gordon as Sim Trip at eight, and Shane Sweet as Sim Trip at
2: seventeen. <laughs>
1: Commander Tucker,
2: while endeavoring to increase the speed of Enterprise to Warp 5, becomes comatose when the engines destabilize and explode. Dr. Flock suggests a radical, controversial procedure to save him, growing a miminic symbiont as a neurological donor. Archer, concerned with the overreaching goal of their mission, gives the order to do so. The symbiont, with a natural lifespan of two weeks, is then injected with Tucker's blood and soon born. Flox names him Sim and he develops rapidly. Tucker's memories and personality begin to express themselves including Tucker's interest in engineering. Symbiotes are living, conscious entities
1: We'll be growing a sentient being for the sole purpose of harvesting tissue.
0: I'm aware of the ethical implications If we weren't in the Expanse maybe my decision would be different but we've got to complete this mission Similitude. This might be the craziest idea for a bottle show ever. (laughs) Um, when do you guys kick us off? Who wants to go? Who feels strongly about similitude, one way or the other?
2: Um, did they? So obviously, I'm sorry. So obviously, you know, they're talking about there's like a cloning aspect in here. You know, like um the should yeah. we clone or shouldn't we clone? Um, you know, what is a life? What isn't a life? I think those are mm-hmm. kind of some of the things they're going for in this episode. Um, they went about it in an interesting way. I was interested. This, inter- this episode interested, interested me. I was, um, I watched it and it, it kept held my attention and I found it, uh, um, found that it was trying to say something. I don't know if I loved it per se. Um, but I like to. I like um, that they kind of went went about this, and they were trying to say something. And I was going to ask you: Was this about the time that cloning was? This was becoming a question. Were they cloning sheep in Europe or? Asia yeah, I time? think so.
0: And and there were some other TV shows and, and movies that dealt with it. Off the top of my head, there was that Michael Bay movie. Oh, the island. Uh, the island, right? Yeah, um, you know. This idea of cloning, creating clones so that you can harvest them for their organs specifically. Um, this does take an extra step, and and you know, uh, and it says our memories somehow become part of our DNA or something, um, which you know works for the narrative of the episode. But I'm not sure if that's based on any kind of science. Science. Um it is but it's funny I think I had the same feelings as you. I actually literally used the same word in my notes here. This is interesting. I use the word interesting. <laughs> you know, and I think that's maybe our our way of saying that it's keeping our attention and it's making us think a little bit, but we're not really necessarily enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> um so that that is how I felt about it. I I think this is an admirable episode. I'm glad it exists. Um and it's it's probably good uh it certainly asks relevant and interesting questions um
2: well i I think it's uh, i think it's outside the um the box for star trek because yeah that's what i was about to say it just doesn't
0: necessarily feel like star trek for me it feels more like an indie sci-fi movie or something it doesn't quite feel like star trek somehow
2: is that that you think i mean you know they try to explain that with the, the levity of the mission that they're on you know um they, I think they try to cover themselves up with that when um, Archer says, "I probably wouldn't consider this, but considering the mission that we're on, I have to." I think he say he said, says something along those lines. So this isn't something yeah. we see Art or Kirk or anybody else do.
0: Yeah, um, well, they, it it is. It does work in. It's like the only thing about it that that makes it better that it's in this season three Zindi arc because essentially after. Sim, you know, indicates he doesn't really want to go through with this and he proposes this possible treatment that could extend his life somehow. Um, and Phlox says he's not going to survive the harvesting process. After all of that, it essentially means Archer has to choose to kill him. He's put in that position. You know, and I think that's, that's only the, the most extreme thing, which is Choosing to kill him, uh, the the only way he would choose that is in this mission that to him is save the entire planet Earth and all of its inhabitants, um, or they all die, you know. And in that one scenario, he says, "Kill him," you know. So it, it, in that sense, it's it works in season three in a way that it wouldn't that it really wouldn't in another season, without significant uh, uh, narrative changes. Um, And that's just one of the many kind of interesting questions. But there are like practical things. I was kind of wondering when we were watching it, like if he's aging an entire lifetime, a lot more, a lot older than Trip, right? He's supposed to like age out to whatever the average lifespan is then 100, 150. I don't know. No, well, McCoy was 135 in a car. right? Anyway, so at least 100. He's supposed to go 100 in 15 days. If we break that down per day, shouldn't we darn near see him aging before our very eyes? <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I was thinking about that. So it's a you little bit. I think that'd be painful too. Aging, yeah, growing. It certainly but... was for Spock in Star Trek 3. Yeah. He um, had to
1: be eating so much too. You know, all he'd be doing is eating, you know. <laughs>
0: like Michael Phelps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that, you know, that part's a little bit weird. So it's, and it's a little bit weird to like, um, see him at these other kind of stages, but the one thing I, the one thing I enjoy very much about it, the the one thing is, and, and, and again, even even when I'm not in love with the episode, I I, I it is interesting and I respect it, and it's good. Um, it just doesn't necessarily feel like Star Trek, so I'm not as Captivated by it as I would be uh, many other Star Trek episodes of equal caliber, Um, but the one bit in it that I really do like is, you know, him admitting that he has feelings for T'Pol, and that you know that that's because Trip has feelings for T'Pol, and it's it's a clever way, of course, for her to find out that he has these feelings without him knowing she knows. And when I say him, I mean Trip, of course, the real Trip. Um, Do you
2: think that's the way they were going? I couldn't, because were they trying to say that he
0: he has his own feelings? No, I don't think so. I I, I definitely don't. I think they were trying to say that Trip really feels this way. Because I I, I remember the the beginning of the episode, they're doing their mutual foot massage thing Mm -hmm. in a particular kind of position that I will not go into detail. (laughs) Um, You know, and that's one of those things that you're like, at first, you're like, this is so silly, you know? And then and then she moves over into another position, which, again, <laughs> anyway. Um, but two people alone doing these sorts of things for months, how do, how would you not? And, and they're talking the whole time. I'm not suggesting it's entirely and and, and solely uh, physical. But, you know, how would you not either grow to love them or grow to hate them, <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> um, if if you've got enough in common and and they apparently do, but I like how that's that later scene when he admits these feelings. It kind of, it kind of gives, um, it made it made me you know remember that opening scene, the massage scene, and therefore you know consequently every other time we've seen him in similar positions in previous episodes, and I'm like okay, now all of those scenes had a. Much more um, tangible and appreciable uh, direction and purpose, because before it was just like a chance to show to Paul in a skimpy outfit, and yes, we have female listeners uh, a chance to show Trip um, um, without his shirt on. Um, and if that was the only reason, then it was darn near. Offensive, maybe that's too strong a word, but I did not like that. Um, this gives all of that stuff a purpose, um, and it makes me not think it's so silly anymore. Sure, you know. And of course, they do take it somewhere. And the funny part is, I don't really remember this. I I remembered it more like their relationship by season four, and it just it's just like coming out of nowhere. And maybe they take it too far. She almost is like a I don't know, 50s mom or something by the end of the fourth season to me. Um, maybe they have her change her character a little bit too much. But at any rate, um, yeah, I enjoyed all of that. Uh, and, and hey, if you're one of our listeners that really just wants to see people naked, no matter your persuasion, more power to you. I'm, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying for me... Um, I've seen plenty of that in this show and I wanted there I wanted to to believe that they were acting like regular people would in those scenarios. And now in fact I know Trip was That was verbose, but you guys follow me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so that's the that's the thing out of this episode that I like the most. Um and if, even if that's all that came out of this episode, that would make it all worth it. Did you like it, Steve? Or
1: yeah, I did. I liked it quite a bit. I agree uh, with most of what was said. I think it it feels somehow feels not like typical Star Trek, but in a way, it's 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 refreshing. I mean, I think it's very interesting. I mean, it raises metaphysical questions about um, and, and moral questions. And and I also agree that it is it is a very unique way to um, address you know to bring up the feelings that they that are that are going on and to let her know you know, let her know, she knows and now he doesn't know that she knows. And, you know, it's, I mean, that's, it, I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's a, it's a good episode. Did I feel a great deal out of it? I don't know. And I think that's kind of what we're addressing here is that is, that it, is it strong enough when executed in such a fashion that it really makes you feel, feel something, well, a little bit, but maybe not as much as it could. Well, how could it so,
0: have, how could it have done the same kind of thing and been more effective?
1: I think it, they may. It may be that they might have needed to focus on one thing, and we've kind of addressed this in the past with some of them that are more problematic. Is when they feel like they're addressing too many things. I mean, it's you have the the effect on you have the relationship. You know, the to t- Paul trip stuff. You have um, moral implications. You know, Archer um, is. Uh, you know how this weighs on him, and uh, you have flocks kind of in the father figure role yet you don't really see that he's putting up much of a fight to save sim um you know and it's, it's just it's so much to pack into 45 minutes i think it just has yeah. to it, it just touches on these yeah, things. There, there's a, there's a point when you just don't buy it
0: anymore like when when um he says to flox you were a damn good father I, I i'm okay with that line but then when fox says back to him you were a damn good son to, you like, still totally no, have to take their word for it because you yeah, see that you know, yeah, yeah, and and it, you know, and I don't know, I just I didn't it that that line wasn't earned for me yeah, you know, um, and, and you know what? I, it popped in my mind. Um, something something you, Steve you just said reminded me that I thought of this when I watched this episode, the original series episode where Uhura learns to speak in an ep- in one episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like nope you passed the point of <laughs> my disbelief. Going to say Adam. I was going to
2: say, I think maybe, I think when it turned for me a little bit, I think maybe, maybe they went a little bit too far with Archer. I don't know if that was the right choice or not. Just, you know, that whole scene towards in the second half of the episode where Sim is like, you know, I want to live and Archer's like, don't make me be a murderer or that kind of thing. I don't know if that was necessary. I don't know if that pushed it too far for me or not um, with Archer. And then you kind of had this kind of list like, not kumbaya moment at the end where they all say goodbye and that's it. Yeah, but even I don't that, know if that's but kind of made it weird for me or not. Um, Just the kind of the, the end structure, how they ended it. That, Trip you know. says
0: to, or Sim says to Archer, good luck, Captain. And Archer is like, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a really weird thanks. It's like a, yeah. you know. Like, Especially thanks.
2: when they had this setup because Archer spends the whole, basically kind of they have this whole, you know, series where Archer's spending the day with them. They fly the shuttle and he tells. So there's an emotional connection there that doesn't,
0: I don't feel it when he says things. Yeah, he at that point it just feel, and maybe that's you know per on purpose. Archer's doing that on purpose so that he can make this decision, you know, to try and shut down any kind of emotional connection. But in all, fairness, in all maybe fairness, in all fairness, when they had the scene that you talked about when he was a kid, hmm? um, Archer thought that he was going to survive the procedure and he'd grow old and die. Yeah, you no. Know? Uh,
2: maybe a scene in there with the Paul where. Where Archer is wrestling with this decision to do this a little bit more, I don't know would have helped it some you know
0: well, it makes me wonder like I like that wrinkle of Flocks telling him you know suddenly i he's gonna he's not gonna survive it uh you know, would Archer have made the same decision uh in to begin with if he had known he wasn't gonna survive the
1: process or would yeah. it was gonna hurt him? I almost wonder if it would have worked as a two parter in a sense. You know, I mean, if they could have explored some of these things in more depth, made us actually wonder if they're gonna replace Trip with him yeah. if they find a way to do it and actually make it just buy it a little bit and, and cover all these things and a little, you know, in a I, I more hate depth. to
0: say this, but the other thing it made me think about um Hey, listeners! You know that DS9 is our favorite show. That's why we all start. That's why we started with DS9. Because if we ended up only doing one, that was the one we wanted to do, right? But we do love all Star Trek. Or we still wouldn't be. Do, we wouldn't still be doing a podcast, okay? But I, I did think. Oop, here's an example where I, I, I have like empirical evidence, right, of DS9. Um, Being more radical and and taking more chances, right? Mm-hmm. An enterprise uh, doing the opposite um, because there was an episode of DS Nine where they replaced O'Brien with the other O'Brien, and that was
1: him. Yeah, yeah. Forever,
0: forever and ever. After that, it was the different <laughs> O'Brien. Right? Didn't really practically have any effect, but they still did it. Right? They could have they could have done something like that. It would have been pretty ballsy. Uh, but they don't do that, no. um, and that's not you know. I'm not necessarily knocking them for that as so much as I am commending DS9 for that. But you know, the point is here's an opportunity to take a chance or a risk, uh, but they didn't. They did not. So maybe they, the
2: decision they could have made is like, like the Tucker's. Sims. Maybe the, the decision they could have made that Sim's not going to survive. You're saying maybe the Tucker's not going to survive it, and then they exactly. have figure out a way to, to way to. So maybe the end of the episode is them fighting to save Sim instead of Tucker, right?
0: Well, this, this, other, this other technique or whatever could have saved Sim and be halt, yeah. halt his aging. Um, and they let him choose. And, uh, or, you know, well, you don't want to have a main Star Trek character that chooses to let somebody else die. But for whatever reason, uh, he lives and the real Tucker dies or something. You know that. I don't even, I'm not even saying I wanted that. I'm, I'm just pointing out that would have had more
2: of an impact for sure. A crazy
0: risk, uh, and you know, a courageous kind of choice, but they that they didn't make.
2: They would have made that funeral scene a lot more impactful.
0: Yeah. Um, so we have kind of been hitting around already about what it's about. You guys got any more follow up on that? You see?
2: No, I think we we've, we've kind of talked. I mean, you know, the we've kind of covered it. I think.
0: Yeah. Well, it asks both some some. Figurative, as well as some more like literal kind of questions uh, about cloning, like you said, that being a little bit more of a topic at the uh, time of this episode, but it's still a topic now, a decade oh, yeah. or more later. All right. Well, hey, anytime an episode is caused for us to have, uh, you know, a longer conversation, it's it's usually evidence of. Of something there, right?
2: This was, this was a good episode. I wouldn't, yeah. yeah I, mean, I wouldn't, you know. I didn't, yeah. But I wouldn't say it was a great episode, but it was a good episode, especially for mm-hmm. season
0: three. So, yeah. All right, let's do six degrees for similitude. Um, Adam, you started that discussion. Do you want to go first or second?
2: Um, I'll get out of the way. I'll go first. All
0: right. Uh, so I think this is the only one where I didn't really have anybody returning. Uh, so so. it's not really our um, traditional Six Degrees, but here you go. Um, Adam Taylor Gordon plays the eight-year-old version of Trip. He previously played a young version of Trip in The Zindi. Was that the final episode of Season 2 or the first episode of Season 3? <laughs> um,
2: I'll say the first episode of Season 3.
0: You are correct. Steve... Yep. When did we first see Archer's childhood flying model? Episode title. I think it was a broken
1: bow, right? You are correct. One to one, moving on. Carpenter Street, Season 3, Episode 11, Production Number 311, Original Air Date November 26, 2003. Directed by Mike Veger, written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest casts include Leland Orser as Loomis, Matt Winston as Temporal Agent Daniels, Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Zindi Reptilian, and Michael Childers as Strode. <laughs>
2: Temporal Agent Daniels informs Captain Archer that three Zindi Reptilians have traveled back in time to Detroit, Michigan to the year 2004, where they intend to produce a bioweapon to annihilate, annihilate humans. Daniels sends Archer and Sub-Commander DePaul back in time to investigate and provides Archer with a temporal tag to bring back anything foreign to the time frame.
0: I just saw them an hour ago. They are all okay. How many?
2: Five no no six the wheelchair guy was number six how did this doctor find you i told you i work at the blood bank he wanted
0: someone from every blood type eight blood types eight people he figured i had access to that kind of information carpenter street i always remember this episode um i think it's got some issues but uh you know it's got some interesting moments it it is fun you know, you watch a bunch of Star Trek back-to-back in the same series or whatever, and then, you know, you see an episode that's just different, and it does stick out um, in, a, in, in a good way, you know. Uh, they get extra points for that. It's even like uh, our last podcast, and we did North Star, you know, same kind of thing. Um, so I like that. I mean, I, ever, I, I like Leland Orser, the guest actor. Actually, in Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Um, was the Zindy, um, who I loved as the comedian, uh, in Watchmen? But um, I think my wife loved him for some TV show.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, I think he was must have been in uh, Grey's Anatomy. That's oh, that would episode. be the one. She's yeah. nuts for Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Um, you know, I saw. I I spoke with him like two sentences. At the uh, Ant-Man premiere. I don't know what he was doing there. Maybe, unless maybe he's going to be in an upcoming Marvel movie, maybe. But hmm. he was nice. You know, you know what? I remember this only because he, he was smoking, which was, which is just weird. Like, you know, you don't go places where people smoke anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody smokes anywhere. So when you talk to somebody that's smoking, it's just weird. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, anyway, but he was nice. He was cool. Uh, regardless. Okay, so I, I like the guest stars in this episode. Um, but I think my what holds me back on the episode and and it's fine. It's a fine episode. It's got, it's got like some technical things that I find interesting. Like, uh, you know, like, like the, uh, the camera in the backseat of the car kind of stuff, which we we just don't feel, you know, there's a lot of like uh, handheld camera stuff in there. It's got a look and a feel that's a little bit different than, than most of the Star Trek episodes. not just because of the obvious difference in, you know, shooting around LA, but, Actually, though, I will mention it's kind of funny how seeing LA in 2003. I mean that that dates the that dates the show in a way that the, the, <laughs> way the episodes aren't dated, right? You know, right? Uh, because they're they're in the future on the ship and stuff. But now, you know, once you see once you see Orser at the beginning with his hair and he comes up into that little apartment and stuff, and it just like, oh yeah, this show was made in <laughs> you know the early 2000s. Um, but anyway um i think that my the things that hold the episode back for me is is how when you break it down it's like it's like three scenes practically and there's just a lot of filler Mm -hmm. you know like it's almost 10 minutes in before we see the enterprise and that stuff is is interesting when loomis kidnaps the girl it's kind of creepy actually it is it is creepy you know it's it's this was, it was like I, an episode
2: of CSI, more than yeah. This
0: was one of the first, if not the first, episode of Star Trek to get like a whatever the teenage rating is on TV—TV TV twelve, TV fourteen—here in the states. Um, and it's because of some of that stuff. Um, but you could have told that same story with half as many scenes and stuff. Or um, uh, Archer and T'Pol—they spent a lot of time stealing a car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Archer, <laughs> here's my notes. Archer and T'Pol steal a car. Hilarity ensues. Archer and T'Pol go to an ATM. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like that stuff's fine and all if you were telling like a fish out of water, like Star Trek Four kind of story. But I don't think that's what they were trying to do here. I think they were trying to do the creepy, scary, terrifying. You know.
2: Yeah, they do uh, a lot of driving around
0: too. Yeah, so there's there's a lot. But when, so when you really think about it, it's Archer and T'Pol go back to 2004. They they find um, what's Orsino's character? Is it Loomis? And he takes them to the building where they chase the indie And that's the whole episode. Uh, with some so weird,
2: with some weird comic relief in the middle with them and yeah, drive
0: through. A yeah, that was so it's,
2: strange to me. Would you really yeah. want to go through a drive through with this guy?
0: Oh right, I forgot about the fast food. Oh my gosh, yeah. yes, absolutely. <laughs> it was kind
2: of strange to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously that's all there as a as a you know for for humor. Um, but it, 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 are you telling, is this your, your you know, super creepy kidnapper story uh, with the aliens doing experiments on people? Or is this the fish out of water joke? Um, either one's interesting. I'm just, I just think they're so disparate that when you mix them, they kind of take the power from each other. And they're now they're both weaker for it.
2: Yeah, because they've set this guy up as this. Weirdo creep and yeah, mm-hmm. then they're, they're kinda like, well, let's share a burger and let me spill some meat on Paul. You know, it was just kind of it just yeah, di- so if, it, it, if it just they took me dialed, out of the episode. If they
0: dialed like, back the creepy mm-hmm. um then then it'd have been more of a funny episode. That would have been one thing. Maybe weird having Zindi in it. but it would have worked better as a standalone episode. Maybe the better choice would have been to dial back the the humor. You know, and why? You know, why are all those scenes there? It just feels like they didn't have anything. Uh, they were just confused about what kind of episode they were making. I mean, I would have had I would have had this episode start off with with Archer and T'Pol already in 2004. You know, start off in the middle of it that way. Maybe there, or maybe we see we see the same kinds of bits with with um, Loomis, but then you know, before going to the Star Trek opening titles, we we see that Archer and T'Pol are kind of chase or are, are secretly tailing him or something I don't know. You know just just stay with the creepy scary stuff and, and make a creepy scary uh, episode. you know we've seen episodes that make jokes about the idea of, of, of aliens doing um, um, tests on humans or whatever but here you could have to, I don't know. <laughs> I just well, think that we, it feels confused. The episode feels confused, and, and some individual moments are really cool. But then, when you put it all together, they break start to break each other down.
2: Yeah, I kind of wanted to go back to the beginning again and talk about you know, it's it yeah. is kind of a dark episode. You know, the whole like you said, oh, ten yeah. minutes we don't see anything, you know, and we get the uh, like you said, the Loomis character. He's picking up a prostitute. And it yeah when we were talking about the the previous episode that didn't quite feel like Star Trek this one definitely <laughs> yeah, for at least the first 10 minutes you're like what
0: am I it's watching Certainly that? intentional here yeah
2: What are we yeah like you said we don't see any of the prime characters or anybody for at least the first 10 minutes and you're almost like um you know if you were flipping through the channels you would definitely not think this was a Star Trek episode if you were watching that first 10 minutes so that's yeah, it was, was kind of unusual it, it was unusual to here, me did they,
0: they put like Star Trek Enterprise logo in the bottom <laughs> corner of the screen or something you know <laughs> Steve, you've been silent. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think I liked it less than even you got you did or whatever. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, it's fine, you know. But it's just, I think, I think like, but I think you nailed it. It's the it's the inconsistent tone um, and all of the filler that just it, just, it just find it tiresome, you know. I mean, I think, I think when it's when when it's so tiresome in this regard, it really makes all the holes and the illogic of the whole situation come to the fore you know like what it, it just seems so convoluted you know to let's experiment on humans in the past and you know it's Daniel sends them back there but oh and then he says like this this uh these events haven't reached us yet and all this stuff just sounds like this is so much nonsense I'm it's just driving me nuts you know mm-hmm. I think that's it's because it's just doesn't do it for me you know and with all that illogic just makes just just really come just uh, yeah. As we that. say
0: many times, if, if it was really good, you know, you forgive
1: all that stuff and you or, and or you forget about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's it's not it's I mean it's not awful or something. It's just yeah. What's the point? Kind of you know. I, mean, I feel like this is pointless. You know.
0: It feels to me this episode feels like I think this was Berman and Braga writing it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it feels like they had like a cool idea. Let's let's open in. Well, I th- I guess it's supposed to be Detroit, but good god it's so obviously LA the whole time. Let's <laughs> open in, you know contemporary Detroit and this 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 creepy stuff's going on. And that's kinda cool. You know, and then they just didn't have enough places to go with it. And they roped it into the Zindi storyline and then and then yeah. I don't know, maybe somebody else came up with all the funny bits and it's like, well,
2: Real quick, I might have missed it. Did they ever explain how the Zindi time Time traveled? Hell no,
0: they did not. (laughs) Uh, I think that they they imply that it was the same futury group that somehow told them. No, it's not exactly a temporal cold war. But remember that the reason they attacked Earth in the first place is because because they were shown or told or something that in a hundred years or whatever it is uh, Earth is going to come and destroy them um, and so and some other some group from the future somehow told them that and so maybe that's the same group that helped them time travel maybe I don't know they I don't, don't know. explain it but so at all but you know if they had that ability I, I understand that the reptilian Zindi want to hide these actions from the other Zindi because they're not supposed to be pursuing a bioweapon exactly Or something to that effect. I understand that. But you know what? If they have the ability to time travel, there are probably myriad other ways to destroy humanity. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 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 That's part that's another thing, you know, like one Zinti with a with a phaser rifle. Yeah. Yeah. At the right ear in the right place. (laughs) You know. So. But some of those moments are cool. It it is a cool opening it is fun to open with something that you're like, Whoa, 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 what is this? You know, I love Leland Orser's hair. He looks so cool. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I made a joke about that look in early two thousands, late nineties. And that is true. Um, but you know, if I could grow hair, that's what I would look like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what's this episode about gentlemen? Oh,
2: that's where we get into the gray area for me at least. Um, I'm not quite sure what they were trying to say with this, other than it's just kinda the theme of this season, you know, fighting the Zindi. I don't did you get anything, Steve?
1: No, not really. A really hard time would come – if I tried to come up with something, would be absolutely just made up, convoluted. I, I don't know what they were – if they were even going for some kind of angle in that regard.
2: I mean, in a weird way, it's it almost feels like a bottle episode because you don't know – this never comes up again. I don't think in the mm-hmm. – in, in you know, this arch well, that it, we're going through. It really ends seasonally.
0: with the Cindy on their ship. like the, I don't know if they're supposed to be dead or, or. – yeah, no, they must be, because they said they had to put their weapons on and kill, not stun. Uh, it ends with the Zindi and the little thing on the ship. We don't see them again? Their bodies or anything? I don't remember.
2: I don't, we'll find yeah. out, I suppose. Yeah. But they, yeah. Definitely didn't see it in the next episode where it might have come into play. This
0: episode does have one thing that we don't get a lot of in more contemporary Star Trek. It's got a who's that guy moment. Yes, I wrote that down. I didn't say anything about that. It was, who's, who's that guy? guy that jumps between buildings? Because that <laughs> yeah, that, that's not Scott <laughs> Boy, that's
1: not Scott Bakula. Maybe that was the kind uh, of mod to the original series, you know. It's like <laughs> <in trouble. laughs> right, yeah. That's, you know, so it's
0: speaking
2: of being drawn out, was that that whole fight scene at the end? I mean, if you're this, when you just go over there and kick over that canister? It's <laughs> what are you waiting? What are you shooting at to Paul for? <laughs> <laughs> you got plenty of cover. Just go over there and kick it over. What are you? And then and then he dives and and hits it. Yeah, it was kind of just silly that whole end fight scene. All
0: right. Sounds like we. I thought this episode. Was it wasn't. Okay. I don't. It was okay. I, I, I feel the same I with you. I didn't. I. I think. I think Brian specifically disliked it. So yeah. it's a. It's a rare slight. I, I don't really want to say disagreement because I'm not sitting here saying this. No. This episode is good. No. Um, but I was it's entertained.
2: Let's and, put it that way. I was entertained, but I. didn't. Yes, it's
0: got enough different stuff. things in it, but I just wish. Um, I just wish they'd had more focus with what kind of story they were trying to tell. Because the especially com- the way they set it up. Yeah. yeah. let's do six degrees for Carpenter Street I believe our score is one to one I gave Adam the choice last time Steve are you going first or second I'll go first Leland Orser plays Loomis the guy that you probably don't want taking your blood <laughs> In DS9's third season, he was a changeling disguised as another species when he helped Odo and Garrick escape Anabrian Tain's dying vessel. What species did the changeling appear to be?
1: Hmm. hmm gosh, I don't remember. Um I think car- car- this was a two parter. Cardassian? No.
0: no. Adam? Romulan. You are correct. It was Romulan. Was that a guess, or did you remember? I remember. Awesome.
2: Okay. One of the few times. Remember,
0: Steve, uh, the... The... Was it the Tal Shiar and the... What's the Cardassian... What's the Cardassian Secret service group? group?
1: Um, Obsidian Order.
0: Right. Was it the Tal Shiar and the Obsidian Order that joined up to yeah. go destroy... Yeah,
1: them? yeah, yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm.
0: But, yeah. All right. Uh, so that was at uh, Adam in Voyager's fourth season in the episode Revulsion. Orser played D. Jaren, a holographic projection of a maintenance unit aboard a Sarosian ship. He is alone on the ship. What happened to the crew? Um, he killed them. Wow! Look at that. He killed them. <laughs> <laughs> he plays you a good psychopath in Star Trek. You are killing it today. Three to one. Moving on.
1: Chosen Realm, Season 3, Episode 12, Production Number 312, Original Airdate, January Fourteenth, Two 2004. Directed by Roxanne Dawson, written by Manny Cotto, music composed by Paul Bellergen. Guest cast include Connor O'Farrell as Preenam Jamat, Vince Grant as Yarick, Lindsay Stoddard as Indava, Taylor Sheridan as Jareb, David Yaus as Nalbus, Gregory w- Wagrowski as Saris, Matt Hune as Indy Trianon, and Kim Fitzgerald as Crewman.
2: Enterprise answers a distress call and takes aboard Dimdijat, the leader of a group of spiritual um, people. Um, that evening, he has dinner with Captain Archer where he explains they have been on a year-long pilgrimage to a sphere, To the spear. They believe deities called the Makers constructed the spears to transform the expanse, the chosen realm, into paradise. Dimdijat then rejects DePaul's scientific logic that there are only 59 known spears. How many people do you intend to kill with my ship? <laughs> your species is obsessed with numbers,
0: a characteristic of your misguided belief that the secrets of the universe can be revealed through science. This may sound barbaric to you, but it doesn't matter how many heretics die. Steve, kick us off on Chosen Realm.
1: Uh, yeah, okay. Um, I, um... I vaguely remembered this one, um, and I quickly remembered how annoying the people were and, uh, <laughs> these, this group, um, because obviously they're obsessed and, uh, Obsessed people are annoying. Got it. Go yeah. On. Generally speaking. Yes. And, um, they're fanatics and I, I think it's interesting. You Unless know, they're fanatics like, about Star Trek, then they're really cool. Right. <laughs> that's right. Um, and uh, and you know, actually, what it made me think of is it kind of made me think of um, like the original series in the sense that you know, Gene Roddenberry was so I don't know I I can't I'm not going to say the right terminology, no doubt, but he he wasn't he wasn't real hip on organized religion, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. in, in the way we think of it, and this is one of these that feels like it's kind of uh, harkens back to something we saw a lot in the original series and, and in early Next Gen too. This kind of like um, there's almost like an angle against it, you know, like when they show it. And Deep Space Nine as a series was, was one of the, was an f- example where you saw some balance in that, you know, there certainly were fanatics and this kind of thing, but there were also people that were, you know, like the, in the Bajoran, you know, uh, the Bajorans that were not fanatics and it was more, took a more balanced approach. But on the whole, when you see it in Trek, you, you see, you see this kind of thing and this is a, you know, this is an extreme example, but uh, we kind of say religion equals fanaticism and uh, illogic and this kind of thing. And so that's what I mostly think about when I, regarding this episode. I'm going to slightly disagree with you there
0: because for me, it felt more like commentary on, on uh, the extremists' side because we did see a couple of the people that, that practiced this religion. Mhm. that we're not willing to take it as far as the Prenom the their leader was. Yeah. Um so I felt like maybe it was a little bit more commentary on on maybe terrorism or or um extremists that that practice you know terrorism. Um than necessarily commentary on uh religion per se so i mean there's i'm not it's not i'm not saying something completely different than you Mm -hmm. there's some overlap there um but i i do think that maybe and actually i should start off by saying i think i like this episode i think it's it's effective like halfway into the episode i want I, I I want the prenom guy to be killed desperately. I want Archer <laughs> to just start choking the life out of him, you know. And that to me says this is well written, and this is, you know, this is a a good character because it's making me feel that way. So that's that's worth something. Um, but I do kind of wonder if um, if he had been just slightly less one dimensional, like if you just dismiss it as. You know, like there's a certain point when Archer is just frustrated because you can't reason with crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he was just slightly less portrayed that way, you know, slightly less just nutball. Um, so we almost get to see two sides to this. Um, that would have been slightly more interesting, but I'm not sure if, if it's a commentary on terrorism that I don't think I would have wanted that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, Um I'm not sure that I, that there's any scenario where I agree with, with, um, the other side when it comes to killing, you know, but if it's a question of, uh, religion, um, then they could have given him, you know, a little bit more, uh, you know, they could have made him a little more two-dimensional. I like that scene when he's when he's he's talking to Archer, you know, the six year. Like, I killed the six year old kid, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's not. That isn't something where Archer's like you're crazy, you know. Archer just knows that he was wrong to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. That that wasn't that was him the prenom person. I mean, being absolutely uncompromising in this faith. That's. That's that's the extremism, right mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what your faith is, mine takes the day uh and that means I'm killing this six year old uh kid so that isn't crazy to Archer that is just wrong you know so there's there's an element of of commentary there that again that i th- i think if you're talking about um extremists and terrorism that it's where it's it's a more interesting approach than uh, if you're going to talk about religion, and then I think I'd want it to be uh, more nuanced. Because I think you're right. I mean, if this was Roddenberry and it was religion, definitely, you know, most episodes of the original series were either um, religion is bad or sex is great. One or the other. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> both, sometimes both, but, you know. Um, Adam, what, what are some of your... Thoughts on that chosen realm?
2: Um, I kind of agree with both of you. I think um, I'm watching this episode, and I think it's not that terrorism and secular religions aren't something you can delve into at any point in our our modern history. But uh, I kind of watch this episode, and I kind of feel like it's a product of its time. What was going on in 2003 and 2004, and you know, a lot of the things that you know, obviously 9/11 wars. Um, are we at war with Muslims, that kind of thing. And, you know, these are still questions that are kind of going on today, not that we're at war with Muslims, but, I mean, you know, like secular religions and extremisms on um, both sides of religions and that kind of thing, and terrorism. So watching this episode, I really, not that I felt that it was dated, it just felt like this episode was very much, even though I think Steve is correct that this went on a lot in the original series, I kind of feel like this episode was a product of, its particular time in 2004, and um, that's what they were writing to to talk about this, talk about um, secular extre- extremism and where it can lead and the moral implications of it.
0: It definitely that ending on the planet where it's decimated. Was that a uh, battle uh, Yeah, yeah. Let, let that be your last battlefield. Was that the one that ended like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it, you of definitely. Re- yeah, remained, yeah, made you think of that. Um there was something else in there that was very specifically original series to me. I can't remember now. Um I liked a bit with the uh with the transporter. I don't recall seeing it used like that mm-hmm. as our execution device. That was kinda that was fun. <laughs>
2: it's it's humane. <laughs> yeah.
0: Also, not every shot, but but the shots of Enterprise with that ship docked next to it, I'm those were those were look like they were rendered out at ten eighty. Thank you.
2: <laughs> okay. All right, all right.
0: When they're when it's flying around and those that same little model ship and there's several of them firing at Enterprise, nope, that that was all 720. But that that other shot is one of the few times we have seen Enterprise at a higher resolution. Look
2: very pretty. Those little ships kind of reminded me of Slave One, <laughs> to be honest.
0: I don't know why. Yeah. They kind of had that look to yeah, it. Yeah, I can see that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Hmm yeah i i this is this is the best episode of the three we're talking about today. I think it's actually pretty good um there's not as much to it, but like I said it makes me really hate that guy mm-hmm. <laughs> so I figure that means it's it's effective um I'm certainly not bored. I'm waiting to see how they're gonna get out of it. I like um, the first
2: I, myself I like the first episode best out of the three
0: um, similitude yeah related. i Maybe I liked it better on paper, but I enjoyed watching the, the um, Chosen Realm more than I enjoyed watching Similitude. Right. Um, um, and, you know, and even like the... When they actually start their battle sequence, their fight sequences, the fist fight and the phaser fight, I guess I've just seen it so much, but those those phaser fights and fist fights in, in Enterprise's corridors or down in the... Um, um, engineering or even up on the bridge and stuff. Uh, I, I to a, to a small extent, I kind of turn off because I feel like I've seen it a lot before. I don't know. It wasn't. I know a lot goes into those sequences, but um, it it isn't as inter- interesting to me as some of the other stuff.
2: I think the one thing that I didn't like about this episode when um, what was it, Archer and the. And the one guy that was helping him, they were talking about the difference between the the two factions. One thought the expanse was greeted in nine days. The other oh, thought it was, was ten days. Oh, that was the part that was
0: original series feeling. Yeah. Like, yeah,
2: that kind of just felt lame. I'm like, really? That's that's very simplified. <laughs> I don't know. I just I thought that could have done. More. I, could, I thought they could have done more to explain the differences than just a you know uh, we believe in nine days. We believe in ten days. That just kind of felt silly to me. <laughs>
0: What's this episode about, gentlemen?
2: Well, it's, yeah, obviously about um, terrorism, um, how far you could go in your beliefs. Um, You know, it it talks about, there's talks about, you know, religion and faith and what's, what's right and what's not, you know, the moral, the the moral.
0: Intransigence. Yeah. Steve?
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. When you know the fanaticism that where absolutes the danger of holding an absolute, um, taking an absolute stance on something that cannot waver and, um, and how that can lead to immoral action and, um, yeah, total
2: destruction.
0: Hmm. Uh, Adam, your favorite episode from today was. Similitude. Mine was chosen realm. Steve, yours yeah. has to be Carpenter Street. You don't get a choice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think if I had to say I'd say similitude, um, yeah. it's pretty close. They're very different different kinds of good for I yeah. get out of them. well this
0: is the closest to an episode we've had where we sort of kind of disagreed a little bit on like yeah, yeah. most episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um but even when we disagree a little, it's just a little. We still Uh, all
2: love Trek. That's what we can agree on.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do six degrees for Chosen Realm. Adam has three. Steve has one. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Connor. These are both uh, title questions. Here we go. Connor O'Farrell plays D. Jamat, the guy that feels very passionately about killing lots of people. In DS9's fourth season, he played the scientist Jeff Carlson. One of the humans in 1947, Roswell, that helps out three Ferengi. Name the episode.
1: Oh, um, Little Green Men.
0: You are correct. Adam? Yes. Gregory Wagrowski plays Saris, the captain of the crazy people that think it took ten days to create the spheres. <laughs> crazy talk. Nutty. In DS9's final season, he played the Vulcan, Captain Solok. That challenges Cisco and crew to a game of baseball. Name the episode. Yeah. Oh, what is the folks? Name? That sound you hear <laughs> is Steve hoping that he can come back <laughs> and, and tie it up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. Um
0: uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea.
1: Steve? Take me out to the Hollow Suite. Yep. There Take God. me out to the Hollow Suite. Tied up for the day. Oh my God! It's a crazy comeback. Uh,
0: really fast. You guys both heard about uh, Nick Meyer getting signed on to the yeah. writing writers room
2: for the wow. new series.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think I tweeted that on our. Good. Good. Twitter.
0: What do you think? I'm I'm excited. He's an incredible writer. He hasn't done much in directing in a long time, but he's he's kept his writing chops up. He's that's what he does. You know.
2: So, so what do you think that means? Do you think that means um, Prime Timeline or J.J.'s Timeline?
0: I'm hoping Prime Timeline. Of course we're all hoping that but you know I remember I remember seeing, I don't remember what it was for Gosh, what was it for? I saw Nick Meyer not long after J.J.'s movie came out. Maybe it was that his book, uh, View from the Bridge or whatever that is like his kind of memoir book um, and I went to like I think that's what it was for. I've seen him a few different times, but I think that's what this event was for. And I went there to have him sign his book and you know, he gave a little talk. And um somebody asked him about JJ's movie. <clears throat> and he said, Well, it was enjoyable, but I wish it had been about something, you know. You know,
1: kinda of mm-hmm.
0: wish it was about more. You know, we we tried to make our movies really about something. Um Kirk's uh aging You know, and being useless as you get older in Star Trek 2 and then Star Trek 6, and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, and then someone said, Well, how did you feel about uh, them, you know, blowing up Vulcan and essentially meaning, you know, changing the timeline and saying your movies didn't happen? And Nick Meyer, stupidly, incredibly, insanely smart guy, like any one of us standing in front of Nick Meyer, and he's the smartest guy in the room. But he doesn't live and breathe Star Trek like we do. He doesn't think about it the way we do. I mean, I'm sure he hasn't watched it since Star Trek 6 he directed, you know, in 1991. So they asked him this question and he said, oh, I didn't get that. I didn't, I didn't realize they did that. <laughs> <laughs> that is not saying he's not a smart guy. That is just saying he doesn't live it the way we do Um, so I think a guy that understands it but doesn't live it and is a hell of a writer I'm in agreement with the internet very 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 happy and excited and I think it's great you know so good news getting closer uh all right, folks. Thanks for spending an hour with us. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Gosh, we don't really post on there very often, do we? We need to do that. We're going to, I swear. Okay, we're not really, but uh, well, when, what we do do occasionally is tweet, uh, so you can uh, follow us on Twitter. That's at trekcompanion. Um, you could also leave a review on iTunes. That helps people find us. So, Um, I hope you have an excellent two weeks between now and the next time you hear us when we discuss the next three episodes of Enterprise. And until then, my friends, please take it easy.
1: Bye. See you.
0: I passed it.